University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at UBCBR on Facebook for more information. It is a delight and a joy for me to be with you today. As some of you have figured out, I am not Andy, but I am very grateful that Andy has entrusted to me this privilege of uh, being a part of your worship this day. Some of you may have figured out that my last name is Langford, as is Justin's last name, and you put two and two together and came up with the fact that, yes, I'm here because of him. In some ways, he is here because of me. <laughs> but I'm here today because through Justin, Andy so graciously invited me to be a part of this. And I'm honored to be a part of uh, leading worship with you by proclaiming the Word of God. So thank you for the way that you've greeted me, for the way that you've made me feel welcome, and thank you for your grace and the fact that I will not remember your names even though I have met you. So this is the fifth day of Christmas, fifth out of 12. I'm so grateful that whoever it was that designed and developed the liturgical calendar realized that it takes more than one day to understand, well, not even understand, we can't do that, to reflect on, to meditate on the wonder of the Christmas miracle of the birth of the Christ child. And so here we are on the fifth day of Christmas, the first Sunday of Christmastide, to again reflect. I trust you have not moved beyond Christmas yet. Now, I know that we are eager for January the 13th, but I trust you haven't moved on yet that we can finish the 12 days of Christmas and still have plenty of time to prepare for that great day of celebration. You know, a national championship is not something to snuff at, is it? I'm not predicting, okay, I'm not predicting. So on this fifth day of Christmas, I want to guide our meditation and our reflection on the mystery that is found reflected in a babe lying in a manger. Every time I come to the Christmas season, I invariably turn to my favorite text uh, for this season, found in the Gospel of John, the prologue of John's Gospel, John chapter 1. I invite you to follow with me as I read from the New Revised Standard Translation. John 1, beginning at verse 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, all things came into being through Him, and without Him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in Him was life, 
and the life was the light of all people. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Now verse 6 starts talking about John the baptizer, and with your indulgence, I will skip talking about John and move to verse 10, where it continues to talk about the Word, now the Word made flesh. He, the Word, was in the world, and the world came into being through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. As we reflect on the mystery, the Christmas mystery on this, the fifth day of Christmas, I want to suggest to you a simple phrase, a simple statement as the basis of our reflection, to guide our reflection. The statement has three parts. All preachers have to have three points, right? Reflecting on the Christmas mystery, he became what we are. Of course, the theological term for this is incarnation. That in this babe whose birth we celebrate, in some mysterious, unexplainable way, God, the creator of all that he is, robed the divine self in human flesh, taking on all of its frailties, all of its limitations, all of its weaknesses, all of its vulnerability in the form of a newborn infant. The word became flesh. Now this word was with God in the beginning, eternal. And this, this word was with God, and the, the language in the original means he stood face to face with God as an equal. And this word was God, that is, everything that made God to be God, this one possessed in his very being. And it was through him that creation came into being. And yet this one who was eternal with God, equal to God, possessing everything that made God to be God, became human, just as human as you and as me. And I can't explain that. I can say what the Scripture says. In Him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form, Colossians. Or as the writer of Hebrews says, He was the very radiance of God's glory. The most beautiful thing about God was in Him. 
And he was the exact imprint, the exact icon of God? Or as the prologue of John's Gospel says, none of us have ever seen God, but this one, the Word who became flesh, made him known. Now, I can proclaim those great biblical truths, but I cannot explain them, for they are mystery. They are beyond our understanding. They are beyond our ability to grasp and to explain. And I don't know about you, but I've found that most of us as humans don't like things we don't understand. Because if you can understand something, if you know something, then you have some control over it. But mystery, mystery leaves us feeling powerless and unknowing. But if we could explain the incarnation, if we could explain this great mystery, would it have the power to captivate our hearts? And so we simply, we simply rest in the face of the mystery that he became what we are. We can't explain it, but we can embrace it. He became what we are so that we could become what he is. That's the second part of the statement. And the second part of the statement explains or defines the purpose of this incarnation, this enfleshment of the deity. God's purpose in becoming what we are is so that we could become like God. Not with all of the power and limitlessness, but when, that we might become the very essence of who God is. That we might possess as our own, the very nature and the very character of God. He came into his own, and his own did not receive him, but as as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become children of God. Not in name, not in name only, but in reality. To become the children of God, the Johannian community expressed it this way in, in 1 John 3. Behold what, what love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. And we don't know what it's going, we're going to be like, but we do know this, that we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And I would suggest to you that that what happens when we learn to embrace the mystery of the Word becoming flesh is that something begins to happen deep inside of us. As we sit with it, as we embrace it, as we try not to fight it or to understand it or to control it, but simply receive it, something, something begins to happen deep in the recesses of our being. It's not that we get it in the sense that we understand it, but rather it gets us. Something grabs hold of us and begins to work deep inside of us to transform us. And bit by bit, we begin to be changed 
from the inside out. Now, we prefer the outside because we can control our behavior. We can stop doing something. We can start doing something. But see, that keeps us in control. The problem is we can't control what's on the inside. Only God has power over that. And that's where God's Spirit begins to work transforming us from one degree of glory to another. Now, I can't explain this inner transformation to you any more than I can explain the first part of the mystery. But that's what God does. God works in the very depths of our being to transform us into the likeness of Christ so that when, when we choose to live in relationship with who Jesus revealed God to be, when we choose to open our lives to that grace, when we choose to walk in relationship with the Spirit working inside of us, when we struggle to live the ways of God that Jesus taught, in that very struggle, the Spirit works. And change begins to take place deep inside of us. Because He became what we are, so that we could become what He is. It's the very essence of the spiritual journey. Growing to be like Christ. And the promise is that God will not quit working with us. God will never abandon us. God will never give up on us until God has brought that work to completion. And as the writer of Ephesians says, there will be a day that God takes the divine son and asks us to stand up back to back with him. You did this with kids, didn't you? as your kids grew, and you say, my goodness, you're just as tall as your daddy. And the promise is that someday before God is through with us, we will stand back to back with, with Christ and we will measure up to the fullness of his maturity. Wow. He became what we are so that we might become what he is so that we can do what he did. And that's the third and last phrase of this great reflection on the mist, this great mystery. He became what we are so we could become what he is and do what he did. He came so that we might be transformed from the inside out and empowered to love as he loves. To forgive as he forgives. To embrace each and every one as a beloved child of God. To welcome any and all. To see beyond the cultural explanations and differences. To see in the face of each one the beloved child of God. And there's no mystery in that. For Jesus taught us that what is on the inside determines what comes out on the outside. It is in the heart, Jesus said. 
It is out of the heart, Jesus says. And if the heart is full of fear, then we see the other through the eyes of fear. If, if the heart is full of anger and angst, then what we see in the eyes, through the eyes of our anger is we see someone to be an enemy. If we see if what is deep inside of us is guilt and shame, then, then what we see in the other is someone who might touch that guilt and that shame, and we fear them. No wonder we divide the world into us and them and build walls. Oh, but what happens? What happens when that inner being, the, the heart, begins to be transformed by the Spirit of Christ so that love replaces the fear and love replaces the anger and love replaces the guilt and shame. Then the way we see others is through the lens of love. And the way we treat others is through the guidance of love. There's no mystery to this part because what is inside of us will always come out in how we view and treat others. And when, as that begins to happen in us, bit by bit, little by little, as that begins to happen inside of us, we become a part of the Christmas mystery. The Christmas mystery is no longer contained in a creche. It's no longer contained in a baby lying in a manger. Now the Christmas mystery lives in us and through us because how else in the world can you explain someone embracing a throwaway incarcerated for 12 years and yet faithfully visit, support, and sustain. How can you explain that? How can you explain being able to forgive when the other person's not sorry? In fact, when the other person doesn't even believe they did anything. How can you forgive? How can you explain the embrace of any and all? How can you explain moving beyond cultural norms to embrace every person as the beloved child of God? How can you explain using our financial resources to make a difference in the lives of others? How can you explain it except that he became what we are? so that we might become who he is and do what he did. Oh, th thanks be to God. Thanks be to God that we get to be a part of the mystery. Make it so, Spirit of God, Make it even more so. Is our prayer in the name of Christ.